Hey everyone, this is Matt and welcome to another Overflow pod where we're in our pressing the reset button on life series. And in our last pod, we saw the reasons why it was so hard to change. First reason, it's because we've been doing it for so long. Second, we identify with with them. Third, our bad patterns, they have a small payoff. And fourth, because Satan discourages us. However, there are four requirements or things we can do for lasting change. And we looked at the first one last week, which says we must learn and face the truth, not getting fooled by the lies which fuel our self-defeating behavior. So let's go on to the second requirement. Lasting change requires new thinking. You aren't what you think you are, but what you think you are. Let me say that again in case you missed it. You aren't what you think you are, but what you think, that is what you are. Get the difference? And that's where the battle for change is. It's lost or won in our mind because our thinking radically determines who we are or what we are or what we're doing. Ephesians 4.23 says there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. Where does that spiritual renewal take place? It's in your thoughts and attitudes, not in your behavior. It's in your thoughts. It's in your mind. What you think determines the way you feel. See, we feel that feelings are paramount. It's always what people talk about. My feelings aren't there. I don't feel right. No, 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 no. That you are starting all wrong. All feelings start with a thought. Feelings aren't feelings in themselves. They are a response. And so if you are focusing on the response, you're going to get nowhere. You have to focus on what they respond to, your thoughts. What you think determines how you feel, and what you feel determines the way you act. So if you want to change the way you act, you want to change your behavior, you want to stop doing some self-defeating stuff and some stupid stuff, and you want to start doing the right things, you got to change the way you feel because feelings affect your actions. But the way you change the way you feel you can't just change your feeling. You're not, you can't just say, I'm not just going to feel that anymore. It doesn't work. That's why people just give in to their feelings. The only way you can change your feeling is indirectly going to the root of the issue, which is thought. So change the way you act by changing the way you feel, change the way you feel by changing the way you think, how you think, what you think about all the time. Now there's a Bible word for this process, changing the way I think, which which changes the way I feel, which changes the way I act, is actually repentance. Now, most people have the wrong idea about repentance. They don't understand the true definition. When they, heard the, when they hear the word repentance, they think of a guy with a sandwich sign and a long, scraggly beard with a sign that says, turn or burn or you're going to hell. You're going to die and fry while we go to the sky. <laughs> Yeah, there are silly statements out there. That's not repentance. I don't know what that is. But the word repentance is a Greek word. It's a word metanoia, which simply means meta means change and noia means mind. Change your mind. That's all repentance means. It's a changing the way you think. Why? Because if you change the way you think, it'll change the way you feel and the way you feel will change the way you act. It's called repentance. And changing the way you act is a reverse of mindset, metanoia, a U-turn, a mental U-turn. That's repentance. And that's the way change happens. Philippians 2.5 says, let's 
Let the same mind and attitude be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Now, again, what you think is a choice. Choosing is the beginning of changing. And when you begin to put on the mind of Christ, you begin to think like he does. Then you will start to see your defects in a very different light. See, some of us it just it, it can it just maybe have gone over your head. So let me say this again. When you change the way you think, you begin to think God's thoughts, the way Christ sees you, the way God sees you. When you begin to put on the mind of Christ and think like he does, your defects, you'll begin to see them in a totally different light. And we're going to look at this in detail in a future message, but let me just give you a little teaser here. Here we go. Here's a little teaser. This is going to be in a future pod coming up soon. Defects are often strengths being misused. The irritating things about you that other people are bugged by, it's often a strength being misused. For instance, if God has given you the strength of discernment, you're going to be tempted to misuse it and be judgmental about everything. It's a strength being misused. If God has given you a strength of being detail ornament, you notice little details that can be fixed. And if you don't use this correctly, you'll become picky and unpleasable and high controlling and finicky. And nobody wants to live with that. And if God has given you strength of seeing the big picture, not the little detail, if you don't use it correctly, you're going to be tempted to overlook people and you'll march right over them. You'll walk right over them. You won't pay attention to their feelings. You'll ignore them because you're looking at the big picture. You can't see how the people all around you are feeling about it. And if God has given you the strength of being amiable, you pretty much get along with anybody. That's a strength. But misused, you're going to let people run over you. People that you should not let run over you. See, our defects are often attempts to met, meet my unmet needs. Do you hear that? My defects are often attempts, bad attempts, but there are attempts to meet my unmet needs. You don't act the way you do out of, motiv- of no motivation. You have needs, and the needs are legitimate. You're just attempting to get them met in the wrong way. See, everybody has a need for respect, and everybody has a need to be respected, but if you don't get respect, you're going to try to get attention instead, and everyone has a need to be loved, but if that need isn't met, you'll throw yourself at people in the wrong way. Everybody has a need to be valued, but if you don't feel that need to be met, you're going to talk too much. Everybody has a need to feel secure. Everybody does. But if you don't let God meet that need, you're going to try to control everything. A defect is often an unmet need being attempted to be satisfied in the wrong way. So here's the first principle. Remember, was lasting change requires learn, not learning and facing the truth. Second, Lasting change requires new thinking. And number three, lasting change requires community and coaching. We're not going to go well on our own. You're not going to get healthy by yourself. We got to get better together. There's some things that you're never going to be able to change in your life on your own. There's some problems in your life that are so big, you need a team to tackle them. Just like a football team. When you have got a player who's so big, no one person can take him down, they have to team tackle him. You need people in your life who will support you and help you and team tackle those tough areas. One of the biggest fallacies right now in sports, specifically in football, is that one position is superior to everybody else, namely the quarterback. Now, my Eagles are in the Super Bowl in the, in the last couple of days, and they didn't win. Now, the week before or two weeks before, I watched them play the 49ers, 
And they were on their third rookie string quarterback. And they were actually outplaying the Eagles until he went out with the injury. And then it was pretty bad. The 49ers team was amazing from the coach to from his innovative play calling to the amazing receivers, the phenomenal running back, the protection and the defense. Oh, man, they were loaded. And it took a team to beat them. The Eagles are loaded as a team, and they're just not a quarterback. Now, the Eagles opponent in the Super Bowl, the Chiefs, also have an amazing team. Now, they have a legendary hedge coach. But if you listen to the media, it's all about the quarterback. Now, the Chiefs quarterback is the best in the league, but he can't do it by himself. In fact, if you looked at his stats in the game, yeah, he had a lot of touchdowns, but he didn't have that many yards. He didn't throw that much. Because, to be honest, if the quarterback doesn't have any time and the receivers don't get open, if the line doesn't block for them, I don't care how amazing they are, they won't win. But the Eagles lost, and the one of the reasons why they lost, or the main reasons, I should say, was that the offensive line for the Chiefs didn't allow one sack or even any pressure from that vaunted Eagles defense that had the most sacks ever in, 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 a, in a year. They were shut down. So it was an easy offensive game. They didn't even have the ball that much, but they scored pretty much every time they had the ball in the second half. They scored four times. The Chiefs line was amazing. It's the team that counts. It's the team, not just one thing. So Ephesians 4 says this way, put away all fush falsehood, meaning be honest. Tell your neighbor. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean your next door neighbor. It just means your friend or your brother, or your sister in Christ, somebody that you're close to. Tell your neighbor the truth because we belong to each other. You belong to the church of God. If you're serious about changing and growing and resetting your life, you're going to have to face your fear about being gut level honest with just a couple people. You don't need everybody to know the stuff you're working on, but you do. The moment you tell one person, you get instant power and you never had it in any way. You get instant relief. See, a lot of times there's secrets even between a husband and a wife. And if they're trying to change, that's the first person they need to open up to. They need to have an encourager to say, you know what? I'll be with you. I'll help you. All of a sudden you open the closet and whatever is in there is not as big as what you thought it was. Proverbs 28, 13 says you will never succeed in life if you try to hide your sins and defects, faults, mistakes, patterns, stuff that everybody else sees, but we're pretending that we don't see it in ourselves because it's too scary. You'll never succeed in life if you try to hide your sins. Confess them, give them up, then God will show mercy to you. You know, we waste an enormous amount of time and energy trying to cover up stuff that everybody sees anyway. You think other people don't see your faults? <laughs> you think other people don't see your defects, your flaws, your mistakes, your personality quirks? Everybody sees them. It's a secret. No, it's not a secret. Everybody knows. We're just pretending. We, we don't point it out. <laughs> our biggest hurdle to holiness is our desire to look good. Our biggest barrier could be that we just want to be better. It's one of the things that I came out when I was younger. I said, you know what? I'm just going to come out who I am because I got enough problems. I don't need to add this one to it. So I just try to be completely honest. Galatians 6.2 says, by helping each other with your problems, you truly obey the law of Christ. There's 58 one another's in the New Testament. There's love one another, help one another, serve one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, listen to one another, bear one another's burdens. 58 commands in the Bible says what we're to do this with each other. Here's a reason for that. We only grow through community. 
And there's some things in your life that are never going to change as long as you just try to change them by yourself. So not only requires community, and the best place to get that is a church, but it also requires coaching. Now follow me on this. We always grow faster with a tutor or a trainer or a coach of some kind. Even superstars need coaches. Every single Olympic athlete has a coach. They could be, they're the best in the world. They have a coach. Every pro, baseball, football, NBA, basketball player, soccer, they have a coach. And the higher up they are, the more they have personal coaches in all kinds of areas. What will a coach do? A coach will help you maximize your strength and minimize your weaknesses. That's what makes New England Patriots coach Bill Belichick the, the best. He doesn't, he doesn't have the best players. Oh, no. But he has the best ability at, making, at maximizing their strengths and minimizing their weaknesses. And when you go through the Bible, you see this principle everywhere. Joshua had his coach. His name was Moses. Elijah had a coach. His name was Elisha, I should say, had a coach. His name was Elijah. Solomon had a coach. His name was David. David had a coach. His name was Samuel. The 12 disciples were coached by Jesus. And John coached a guy named Polycarp. Polycarp coached a guy in the next generation named Irenaeus. And he had multiple generations of great Christian leaders. Timothy was coached by Paul. You can get example after example how you need a coach in your life from the Bible. Every Paul needs a Timothy, and every Timothy needs a Paul. God has given five kinds of group coaches to the church. And there in the next verse in Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, Christ gifted us some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, so that his people would learn to serve and his body would grow strong. This will continue until we're united in the faith and understanding of the Son of God. Then we'll be mature just as Christ is, and we will be completely like him. That's what's called the restart, the transformation. If you're serious about your life and working on the hard places that you don't like, that have been tough, patterns that were set in childhood, you need to get a coach, a training partner, a spiritual coach, a friend, and it all has to be one step ahead of you. They don't have to be perfect. Just a little bit ahead. These are the principles for the permanent lasting change. It requires me learning and facing the truth. It requires me to do new thinking. It requires community and coaching. You're never going to change those tough things by yourself. And fourth requirement is for lasting change requires the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, this isn't something you can do with just human energy. Only God can make those transformations in your life. You could make a law that says no more prejudice, no more racism, no more bigotry. No law is ever going to turn a bigot into a lover. Only God can do it. It's an internal change. Only Jesus can turn somebody who's prejudiced into someone who's non-prejudiced and someone who's a hater into a lover. Zechariah 4, 6 says, this is the word of the Lord. You will not succeed by your own strength or power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You can no more transform yourself to be like Christ than you can transform yourself into a tiger or a leopard, or a bear. You can't transform yourself on your own power. Willpower is not enough. Now, remember, we said earlier, you don't collect your hurts and habits and your hangups overnight, and you're not going to eliminate them overnight. It's going to take time. It's going to take probably the rest of your life, and it's a slow process. And we're going to talk about this, about incremental change, but it will change. It can change. 1 Corinthians 3.18 says, as the spirit of the Lord works within us, 
we become more and more like him. It takes the Holy Spirit in your life. As the Spirit of the Lord works within me, I become more and more like him. It's true for you and me. It's a gradual, step-by-step, incremental process. It's not instant. How many times have you heard me say when God wants to grow something, if it's a mushroom, it's six hours, but if it's an oak tree, it's 60 years. So which one do you want to be? We can all look at someone who can become emotionally healthy, spiritual, strong, happy, healthy woman or man of God. We can learn how to do that. But you can't learn how to do it quickly. There's no such thing like instant mashed potatoes, instant maturity, instant coffee, and instant holiness. It just doesn't happen. It doesn't exist, which we'll talk about later. Let me just wrap this up by asking you this question. How seriously do you want this? How serious are you about changing your life for the better? About finally dealing with those parts of your personality that, well, they irritate you besides irritating everybody else around you. How seriously are you interested in evicting the fears out of your life, the worries out of your life, the self-centeredness out of your life, the laziness of the procrastination and the excuse-making and the anger and the jealousy? How serious are you about evicting the insecurity out of your life? Do you really want to change for the better? You take these four steps from God's word. And a great way to start these requirements is to ask God in prayer. So if you want to change, join me in prayer to God. Say this in your mind. You don't have to close your eyes if you're driving or if you're walking. Just keep walking. Keep driving. Whatever you're doing, keep doing it. But repeat these words in your mind. Say, Father, I'm asking you to help me learn and face the truth. I'm asking you to help me to spend time in your word every day to learn the truth that will change my life. I'm asking you, Lord, to help me get in a community and get a coach, find a friend who will help me through the tough times in my life. I know I can't change on my own. I've tried. And, Lord, I'm asking you to help me think in new ways, like we talked about last week, that I put on a new mind, a new way of thinking about my life and about you and about the past and the present and the future. And, Lord, most of all, I know I can't do this on my own. I need your Holy Spirit. So, Holy Spirit, I'm yielding myself to you today. I'm saying, Lord, make whatever changes you need to make in my life starting right now. I'm open. I'm available. I want to change, and I can't do it. I can't do it because I don't have the might or the power, but I can by your spirit. If you've never opened your life to Christ, that is to say that Jesus come into my life and begin the change process little by little, step by step, helping you to become the woman, the man that you've always wanted to be, you can't do it on your own. You need God's help. So if you haven't done that step, ask Jesus, say, Jesus, come and save my life. Change it. Start a new work in me. Help me to turn to you. I trust in you. And we ask all that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope that encourages you wherever you are in pressing that reset button and starting. I know it's February and you probably have long since given up on change, but guess what? Every week is a new week. So don't just worry about it being not being January more. Keep moving forward. So God bless and see you in the next pod as we cover looking back to move forward.